0: Welcome to the Ag Future podcast presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. Insulin prices have more than tripled in the last decade, and because insulin cannot be taken orally, pumps and syringes can add significantly to the cost. The result, this treatment is quickly becoming unaffordable for many diabetics, but insulin therapy is critical for most of them and there's a search for options, one might have been found. Dr. Ronan Power, Vice President of Altec's Life Sciences Division, joins us to talk about something of a revolution in the treatment of diabetes. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Power. Thank you, Tom. Tell us why, first of all, there is this need, and I kind of described it in the introduction, but uh, diabetes is
1: a huge problem in this country, I assume. Absolutely, it's a, it's a huge problem. Not alone in the Western world, but it's becoming more and more of a problem in countries that have, um, if you like, found affluence in -hmm. the last two to three decades and are adopting more and more of a a Western uh, style diet and uh, lifestyle. So it's becoming a, a, a really, really big problem. I think one of the figures I saw most recently was an estimated 360 million uh, sufferers worldwide, but that's only diagnosed cases. Mm. Um, of the subtypes of diabetes, the the two main ones, of course, people will be familiar with, are type one and type two. Uh, type one typically hits younger people, and that is that is a a type of diabetes where the uh, cells in the pancreas that produce insulin are destroyed, and that can be an autoimmune. Um, type disease or or a, a reaction to a virus. In some cases, the most prevalent form is type two, which used to be called adult onset diabetes, but now is creeping downwards in age group and is is uh, hitting people as young as four years of age, four even younger. And that's part of the associated obesity uh, epidemic or pandemic that we we see in the world today. So
0: we are seeing studies that are projecting that if these rates these obesity rates continue at current mm. trends more than half the population of almost 40 states in the United mm. States will be obese in 2030. Mm. Uh, what are the implications of failing to stop and reverse that trend I,
1: I think they're absolutely massive if you and I would say 50 percent is a conservative estimate um, if if you look at the implications of uh, obesity as they relate to diseases like diabetes, you know, there is, a, there is a condition known as metabolic syndrome that precedes the development of diabetes. And, and this is um, a condition which is characterized by not just obesity, but high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol uh, or dyslipidemia. Um, so that's, that's abnormal blood profiles, high triglycerides. Uh, and so on and so forth and and that can predispose people to many many diseases uh, particularly coronary uh, coronary coronary um, vascular disease or cardiovascular disease and pulmonary disease um, and that's even before you hit uh, any any diabetes threshold uh, once people develop diabetes there's a whole range of attendant problems that that uh, come with that as people are aware of but one of the one of the larger um, problems, if in in my opinion, is the uh, the state of insulin resistance that begins to develop uh, in people who are um, who tend to be overweight, uh, have a higher than normal body mass, um, and insulin resistance in itself can cause um, huge problems. Uh, one of them, let me just mention an example. One of them is called PCOS or polycystic uh, ovary or ovarian syndrome, uh, that's becoming a huge problem in uh, the female population uh, in terms of reduced fertility, uh, inability to uh, to conceive and, and inability to sustain a pregnancy. Uh, that's a direct implication of insulin resistance. So we're not just talking um, uh, diabetes here, we're talking a much broader, uh, more debilitating uh, condition of life, if you will.
0: We're here to talk about something that you're working on yes. which is an alternative yes. to insulin
1: that you yes. have
0: yes. Uh, in development now. Can
1: you tell us about this? Sure. And uh, this is I guess the the culmination of about 12 years work uh, in in uh, in our labs uh, here at Alltech. And uh, this started off as a plant-based or a botanical-based compound which we found which was able to uh, increase energy uh production in cells or seemingly increase energy production in cells actually it turned out to be uh, that it improved energy consumption so we've been studying this for quite some time and we actually uh, have made a lot of variants of this particular compound we we isolated it we synthesized it we we made uh, variations on a theme as it were and uh, today we have a compound which we we call compound 43 because it was um, obviously a very imaginative name, the number 43 uh, variation of the compound which we developed. Um, So compound 43 has got a a very unique ability uh, in being able to bind to insulin receptor and activate that receptor in the absence of insulin. So in effect, if uh, if you want to view the action of insulin on a cell as a lock and key mechanism, Uh, imagine that uh, insulin is the key. It fits into a lock, which we shall call the insulin receptor. And when both lock and key are working correctly and the mechanism is turned uh, appropriately, that opens a glucose channel channel, and allows glucose to enter the cell and be used uh, properly.
0: So let me make sure I understand up to this
1: point. So the uh, compound that you're working on... Yes replaces that key it replaces the key it can activate the lock even when the lock is broken because in type 1 diabetes you're missing the key in type 2 there's something wrong with the lock mechanism it doesn't work properly or not at all in some cases but what this compound does is it binds to the insulin receptor i.e the lock and can open it uh, so it's doing glucose. the work of the insulin. It's doing the work of the insulin. So what we have in effect is an insulin replacement. It doesn't bind to the insulin receptor in the same place as insulin. It binds at um, different locations. And uh, its purpose simply, or, or what, it, what it does is, it brings uh, the two arms of the insulin receptor together. And once they, once they join together, it activates uh, the insulin cascade inside the cell um, which then allows that glucose door to open and allow glucose in now it's not a runaway reaction by any means it does stop so there is a, there is a finite half-life of this compound which we've determined to be about eight to 10 hours so and it doesn't it doesn't crash the blood glucose so it takes it down but it doesn't bottom it out at a dangerous level so.
0: Now, as I understand it, this would be
1: administered orally, as opposed to a, absolutely. And a, this is the shot. This is what we. Uh, this is our big breakthrough in the last year. Uh, when we initially tested this compound, we were using it in the traditional insulin type way, of a, a subcutaneous injection or or even a, an IP intraperitoneal injection. But we've now developed a, a formulation which can be taken orally. In tablet form pill form, and, uh, which works uh, very well indeed. And we have actually tested that in, um, in mouse models of diabetes, several different mouse models of diabetes, and it works perfectly well. Uh, the compound itself, we have also tested in human cell lines, uh, liver, skeletal muscle, all of the major organs that are impacted by uh, diabetes and find that it works beautifully. It can even be used in concert with insulin in some cases because, you know, when when I describe the um, type 1 and type 2 diabetes, especially for type 2, there are kind of various levels of it. So uh, for some people, insulin works, but not as well as it does in a normal case. So that's what we term insulin resistance. Insulin resistance can uh, be a graded or a gradated type um, of resistance, so some that's why some diabetic type two diabetics still take insulin, but this can actually help insulin action. So it works in concert uh, with insulin in some cases. So uh, because it doesn't share the same binding site, it can it can be a additive or synergistic even effect.
0: I'm sure that anybody who is suffering from diabetes yes. and hears this is going mm-hmm. to be quite excited, quite hopeful. Yes. Um, how should they temper that hope? How far off are you, do you believe, from going to market with this?
1: First of all, I wouldn't be sitting here if I didn't believe this was this was a breakthrough. Um, I believe that we can get this out through what we call a phase one clinical trial in humans within about three years. Um If it shows promise there, we hope to uh, go right ahead and uh, follow with a phase two or three. But um, best case scenario, Tom, we're probably looking at six years to market. But I think, um, you know, that's a fast track. That would be a fast track. But I'm hopeful that, you know, when we approach FDA with this, they may, in fact, uh, look upon it and say, okay, well, this, this type of compound is not unknown, right? So it, it, it has a pretty good historical uh, safety profile. Um, I believe that there is an urgent need to come up with alternatives to insulin. For whatever reason, Tom, there is some egregious price gouging going on mm-hmm. in that market. and and people are dying as a result, and' I'm not, I'm not being overdramatic in that in that um, in saying that. I mean, you can you can look at the, uh, the press, the news, a whole variety of states, and see that people are actually rationing their insulin using less effective forms. People have to decide between groceries and insulin. And in some cases, it costs people more than their monthly mortgage. So uh, it is, it's a desperate situation for something that was sold. Uh, the patent for this, people are not a, a lot of people aren't aware of. The patent for insulin was sold in 1923 to the University of Toronto for the princely sum of three Canadian dollars.
0: Huh. And I understand now that a vial mm. of insulin... Uh, can be manufactured for about $7.
1: Yes, yes. It is, you know, depending on the grade and the type. I mean, it can vary from, you know, very low price like that up to, I, I'm i not sure the final cost, but certainly I would guess no more than $20 or $30. But it's it's selling for people without insurance. Uh, I hear horror stories of people paying $400, $500 a vial for the material. And that's something that's only... You know, when you open it, you have to refrigerate it, and it's active for twenty-eight days. What we're looking at is a is a tablet or a pill, and uh, you know, it's stable for two three years. And I, and I believe I heard
0: you say that uh, the the a dose, let's put it yes. that way, would last eight hours or so. Yes. So uh, theoretically, a person could take two of these pills a day and, and maintain. Yes.
1: Yes, it'll vary. Per individual, and and obviously that would have to be determined medically uh, by a person's physician. But I w- I would think that in under normal circumstances, two pills per day, based on our on our studies, our modeling so far.
0: When you think beyond uh, FDA approval and yes. marketing and use, uh, Dr. Power, what do you see out there as the uh, implications for how this impacts the quality of life of diabetes patients?
1: Well, uh, if, if you look upon it this way, um, you'll see people, uh, in public and in restaurants looking at their little glucose, uh, pumps and, um, you know, people, uh, still every morning come along and, and take that pinprick on their finger and look at the glucose strip and so forth. So there's a, there's a whole, um, lifestyle associated with living with diabetes, um, probably the biggest uh, the biggest drawback i see for people is you know the, the, having to use all of the paraphernalia the the syringes mm-hmm. the needles and the the phobia about the uh, the needle itself even though nowadays it's it's tiny very very uh, thin uh, needle indeed but there's so much that goes along with um using insulin i mean having to refrigerate it which is no problem in the west but think about countries where refrigeration is not an option think about africa
0: well it can limit your mobility too of course
1: of course it can and and you know we've done we've done our stability testing on this i mean some of the models we use are mice and can you imagine we can put this compound into a mouse diet right In, into a laboratory mouse diet and retrieve it uh, fully active one year later we can pull it back out so it's a, an extremely stable compound mm. now insulin is basically a protein, so it'll it will degrade, and that's why you have to refrigerate it, and it loses potency after a, a very limited period. Indeed, I think 28 days is is the uh, expiration on it. So there are huge um, huge benefits for something like this, and indeed companies have been struggling to develop an oral uh, insulin preparation for decades. But I don't think anybody has ever looked at. An alternative to actually physically activating the receptor. So,
0: since this compound is being designed to treat a disease, mm. I assume it would have to be approved and marketed as a pharmaceutical.
1: Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh,
0: and that has implications for the company.
1: Mm. Yes. Um,
0: tell us what uh, about the discussions around that topic, because mm. I know it's a very
1: complicated one. Oh, it is. It's a, certainly a departure for Alltech. We. We have always um, been well, apart from our beverage division and crop science, we, we've been very much um, associated with animal feed supplements and health supplements for animals. Um, so our dealings with regulatory bodies have been with the uh, European Food Safety Authority in Europe, um, the Center for Veterinary Medicine branch of the FDA here, which deals with all of the the ag products, if you will. Um, We've had little or no dealings with the, with the FDA itself, even though we did uh, have initial discussions with them concerning a, a supplement we have uh, called AT001 um, some years back. Um, but I think that uh, while it will be a departure, it's an exciting new uh, horizon for the company to actually get into something. We, we launched All Tech Life Sciences. For that very purpose, probably eight or nine years ago, to try to transfer some of our technology and products from the animal health arena to the human health area.
0: And it does seem to complement uh, an announcement made at Alltech One yes. about uh, the establishment of an Alltech foundation mm. in partnership with UK healthcare, yes. which of course is human oriented.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think that's an exciting prospect also. Um, there are many, many excellent Uh, researchers and research laboratories at at UK as you know Um, and many of those are active in the diabetes area and and I look forward very much to perhaps collaborating with with them uh, in the future Uh, and this this may just be the first um, you, you know the first of many such preparations that we we develop we have other products in the pipeline um some of them related to diabetes and as you know so we're, we're also interested in neurodegenerative diseases um and we're also interested very much in intestinal health for humans and by that I mean um, you know trying to prevent this condition which is becoming quite pervasive uh, in in uh, in the US and indeed in the West, which is sparked by um what's what's called a rather um I guess, rather unsavorably leaky gut syndrome. So, uh, and that leads in turn to a non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm. And that's a condition which afflicts perhaps 20% of the adult population in the U.S. to varying degrees. So that's a third area, digestive health. So neurodegenerative health, digestive health, and also the the diabetic care, or if you like metabolic health, there will be our three areas of um,
0: focus. Well, I know that you you're a consummate professional, but I also have to believe that on a personal level, that this accomplishment is is uh, feels like a pretty good achievement for you.
1: it It has been a long road. I have been very, very fortunate, um, uh, Tom, in having uh, some excellent colleagues working with me, um, whom many of whom have what I call green fingers in the laboratory. Uh, excellent scientists. Uh, Dr. ZJ. Lan is one. I have uh, two very good ladies working in the lab, uh, Katie Eastridge and Haley Kincaid. I've got Dr. Rajin Zhao um, who works on the bioinformatics side of things, all the data collation. And uh, uh, Ryan Goel is is a, a young man who's also working in bioinformatics. and then uh, we're all we're all held in check and held together by Miss Jeannie Francis who, herds us wherever we need to go. But I've been very fortunate, and, and our outside collaborations have also been excellent. Um, it's 12 years. It seems like a long road, but it has gone in a flash. Uh, so it As these things
0: so. have a way of mm, doing. Mm, indeed. Well, Dr. Power, good luck with this, congratulations as well, and uh, we will be anxious to follow your progress.
1: I look forward to updating you as we go along, Tom. Thank you very much.
0: Dr. Ronan Power, Vice President of Tech's Life Sciences Division, we thank you very much thanks for listening to another episode of the AG Future podcast presented by alltech For show notes and more episodes visit alltech.com forward/agfuture.